Thank you, young ladies. That was very well done. I appreciate that. Please turn in your Bibles tonight with me again to Hebrews and chapter number 11. And let's read again verse number 7. This morning I uh, had to wrap that message up this morning. Uh, We did have some visitors that were here uh, that were not saved, and we wanted to try to wrap that up with the gospel there at the end of the message and try to apply it to them. And we also have an opportunity to be able to minister to them again this week. Some are in need, and we pray that God would uh, bring some fruit from that. And so, But I want to, um, when I get to the part about the application, I do want to have something for you that are believers on how to prepare for these last days. And so I want you to look in Hebrews 11. Now, I'm not like some of those uh, snake oil salesmen on TV that are trying to sell you a tribulation kit, you know, for a certain amount of money. Uh, to help you make it in the last days. That's not my my goal tonight. And so I hope you understand that because I'm not planning on being here. Uh, I'm hoping that I understand the Scriptures well enough to believe that. Um, but, I, but I do believe, honestly, that there will be some, some serious uh, things happen before we get out of here. I think there will be some pressure. I think there will be some persecution. I think there will be some tribulation. Uh, not the day of wrath, not the great tribulation, but I do believe things are going to tighten up around here before we get out of here. I sure do. And so I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's look at a few things tonight biblically about your preparing for the coming of the Lord. But first of all, let's look again at some things that I mentioned this morning just very briefly, all right? First of all, you'll notice in verse number 7, let's read it again. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And this verse begins by faith and it ends by faith. Your life begins by faith and it will end by faith. It will. That's the way it is for the believer. And you'll notice here in between, and I thank the Lord tonight publicly for His willingness to communicate to us. And the Bible says here in verse 7, by faith, it says, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. How did God warn him? Well, God spoke to him. God spoke to his heart. How the Lord did that, I don't know. But I do know that... uh, Uh, that God spoke to my heart, you know, when I heard the gospel and He revealed to me that I would face the wrath of God if I did not repent and give my heart to Christ. And I believed that warning and heeded that warning. But I'm thankful He communicated with me through other Christians and preachers and the preaching of the Word of God. So the Lord has the ability to communicate when He chooses to do so. And the thing about it is, is that Noah didn't have to wonder who it was that was communicating with him. He knew it was God that was talking to him. Because, you know, when you start building an ark and no one's ever built one like that before and you're telling them the judgment of God is coming, you're going to face a lot of uh, persecution and mockery. You better be sure you heard from the Lord if you're going to stick with it for about 100 years. Amen? All right? And so there was communication and then there was preparation. This is where, by faith, Noah began to do what the Lord had told him to prepare to do for the coming judgment of God. So it says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear. 
You know something about a man that will choose to fear God? Did you know God will show him things he doesn't show other people? The Lord will reveal things and speak to you and communicate with you and illuminate your heart and give you a little inside information from time to time if you will walk in the fear of the Lord. And you'll notice here that he began to move and to do the things that God had told him to do. So we see communication and we see preparation by this man. And what a blessing it is to see a man of God give us an example of how to do right. Now the result of this in verse number 7 was to the saving of his house. So we see salvation taking place, deliverance from the wrath of God, from the flood waters. I would like to give you a nugget right there that I didn't give you this morning. Because it says here that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Our faith cannot be imputed to another. What a blessing it would be if we could. Don't you love your children? Wouldn't you want them to believe in the God that you believe in? Wouldn't you like to be able to impute your faith to them? But you can't do that. And the Lord gave me this thought. Our faith cannot be imputed to another. But our faith and fear can impact another. And what he did with his faith and his fear was he actually saved the life of his wife, his sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. How much they appreciated that? Maybe on the other side of the flood or maybe after it began to rain, but I wonder what's maybe what was going on at the house when the, when the boys got back to the house and said, Boy, Honey, what you been doing? Well, we've been working on Dad's uh, boat. Are you serious? Y'all ain't done with that yet? You've been working on it for 50 years. <laughs> Can you imagine some of the conversations? I don't know if they believe, but I know this. I know that uh, Noah's faith impacted their lives. Now, as far as whether or not they believed in God and after that they trusted the Lord, I don't know. But I know his faith delivered them from the wrath of God. And by the way, that's the same thing that happened with Rahab. When she put that, when she put that uh, scarlet thing out there and that, that red ribbon out there, when, man, when the wrath of God came on that city, it saved her family. From wrath. And I'm just saying, your faith is not wasted. You just keep pressing on and doing right. You don't realize sometimes how it is impacting your family. But salvation did come. And by the way, one of the scriptures that comes to my mind about that is in 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul said to the weak, I became weak. To those who were under the law, he said, I became. And he said, those without law, I said, whatever. He said, whatever I could do within reason and within boundaries, he said, I wanted to reach them with the gospel. And he uses this term, that I might save some. He knew he couldn't save their soul. That wasn't what he was talking about. But he wanted to be the instrument. And I would say that Noah was the instrument that God used to save his family by getting them in the ark. So are, are you working on impacting anybody? You got anybody on your radar? Anybody you're praying for? Anybody you're trying to drop a, a nugget of truth to, that you're trying to witness to, that you're trying to get them to come to church or to come to the Lord? You need to have somebody on your radar that you're praying for, that God brings into your life. Now, here we talk about, uh, again, 
His salvation. Look in verse 7 again now. The condemnation that came and how horrible it was. We'll talk about that when we get back to the book of Genesis. Lord willing, we will get back to that. And it says in verse number 7, to the which he says he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. This condemnation. So he again removed all the excuses that anybody could have had that they as they begin to face the judgment of God. And that sometimes is why the Lord will put you in some places where you are the light bulb in a dark place. You may be the family that has the light. You may be someone in your family that has the light. But what you're doing is, is that you are removing the excuses that men have. And tonight, I want us to move on just a little bit further now about the application, the application of this today. All right, would you turn with me? Let's go back uh, to Genesis. And I want to show you something there about uh, how Noah prepared himself uh, for uh, those days. I want you to look in Genesis chapter number 6 with me. And uh, then we're going to look at something in the New Testament and try to give you some instruction from the New Testament. All right? Please do not underestimate the power of the Old Testament as you read it. Don't let anybody divide your Bible up so much that you can't read the Old Testament and get something out of it that will help you in the New Testament age. Don't take a penknife and cut my Bible up so much that I can't enjoy reading all of it. Amen. Amen. All of it may have not been written directly to me, but it was written for me. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter number 6, you'll find here the application here. And we learn... From Second Peter chapter three, if you read through First Peter and Second Peter, you'll find that Peter mentions something about Noah's flood three times in those two letters. And in one of those places, he mentions in about seven in seven verses in a row. There, he talks about the last days, and he talks about the world that was, and he talks about the world that is, and then he talks about the world that will be. Amen. And he talks about that first world. And how it was and how that people mocked God and mocked Noah in those days in which he was a a preacher of righteousness. And then he talked about how don't be surprised and expect it right now in our day and time as we try to prepare people for the judgment of God. And it will not be a flood. It will be by fire. And so Peter mentions that. And he said, just be prepared when they mock you. And say, well, you've been talking about that stuff for a hundred years, fifty years, thirty years, twenty years. I'm tired of hearing you telling me the Lord's coming back. And no, and, and, and Peter said, look, he said, no doubt that probably occurred. I'm saying it probably occurred in Noah's day as well, as I mentioned this morning. But Peter said, they mistake the long suffering of God. That's what they do, you know, for him not keeping his promise. That God is very long-suffering that men not perish, but that they come to repentance. And so, in uh, that's just like people sometimes mistake you. You're kind, you're gentle, and you're restrained because you're a believer. And they mistake sometimes your meekness as weakness. That's a mistake. Genesis chapter 6. Let me show you something about applying some things that, that Noah applied when he heard the Lord warned him. But look at this. How did Noah prepare... For this, and then we're going to look at some things for us in First Thessalonians. All right, look with me in chapter six. Look in verse number eleven. First of all, 
I would say that Noah actually listened to why God was going to bring His fierce wrath upon the planet. The Bible says in verse 11, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, now, this is before he told him to build the ark. This is before he told him he was going to flood the earth. He said, Noah, come here, I want to talk to you. The Bible says he did walk with the Lord. Maybe they talked about it as they were walking. He said, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. It's like he's looking at Noah and said, son, I've had it with them. This is it. I'm sick of this. He said, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So, he's listening to why God is going to bring his wrath. Just in case somebody came home maybe to Noah's house and said, Dad, did you hear that what, the, what the philosopher said at the college down the street? about how that man basically is good? Do you believe that man is basically good? You'd be surprised at how angry people get when you mention God and they think he is unfair and unjust and that man is basically a good being. So the Lord just looks over at Noah and says, Son, this is what I think about man. And I'm fixing to wipe them off the face of the earth. Now you've got to understand now, we're talking about the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth said, this is all good. Man corrupted it all. And now it's just him and Noah. And there's going to be nobody else in a little while except his family. I know you think it's crowded around here. But I don't know how it was crowded then. But I know one thing. How would you like to get up next week, get up out of bed next week, and there's nobody but you and your family on planet earth? You could go down 59 fast as you wanted to. If there was a 59. <laughs> In the script, because there's going to be no law to get you. So, man, just have at it. But you're going to be short on gas. I'm just telling you that after a little while. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, look what he says. It says he listened to why God was going to do this. Are you listening? Are you listening to, to, to the New Testament of why God is going to bring his wrath? Upon this planet. All right. And you know Paul warned us and said, Man, the last days perilous times would come that men would be lovers of their own selves. I mean violent, vicious, lawless. Brother, you want to see, you want to pull back the curtain and take the police away, you see just a little glimpse of what this planet would be like if you take away the restraints that are on this planet. Verse number 14 You'll see now when God has told him why and he embraces it and he believes it. Now he's going to obey the Lord about what he should do. All right, look in verse 14. He said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make it in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without. All right, so he's telling him what he wants to do. And he says in verse number 15, this is how I want you to fetch. This is how long I want it to be. This is how high I want it to be. I want three stories. And he said in verse 17, And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters 
upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. So he is going to obey and do exactly what the Lord told him to do and he understands why God is going to do what he says he is going to do. All right, now look at verse 18. Now he believes God's promise to him personally. Somehow or another, this stuff's got to get personal to us. Verse 18, he says, but with thee. I like that. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5? It breaks it down between us and them. Us and them. Us and them. He said, but with thee will I establish my covenant. I'm going to make a promise with you, Noah. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou, thy sons, thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And he promised Noah that he would protect him from the wrath of God. And so what you have here, three simple things. He listened to what God's why was and what he should do. And during that time that he's building this ark, brother Lord, he is remembering the promise that God had given him because after about a hundred years, you're going to have to do more than just keep working. You're going to need something that you remember daily that God gave you a promise. God gave you a promise. And verse 22 says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. God told him to gather up some food. And God told him to get the animals ready. God told him all these things. And so he was committed to this for a long time because he was convinced that God would do what he said. Are you? Are you convinced of that? Do you believe the judgment that God said he would do? Many think yes. Do you believe the promise God gave you that he would deliver you from his wrath? Do you believe that? Do you find any comfort in those promises? All right, now I want you to go to the New Testament with me. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I need to be motivated by more than just the fear of judgment coming upon the earth to last me a long time. I need more than guilt to motivate me to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Now, what I'm fixing to do right now is I'm going to give you some practical things, daily things, weekly things, monthly things that you need to practice as you watch for the Lord to come back again. Now, remember, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God gives to Paul the insight of what we call the gathering together of the saints. Now, the word rapture is not in your Bible. But it's very similar to the word that Enoch and the thing that Enoch experienced. Aware that he was walking with God and one day he was not. The book of Hebrews uses the word translated. Okay? And so we're believing the promise of God that one day that there will be a trumpet that will sound and the Lord shall descend and according to chapter 4 and also 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there will be a gathering together in the air to meet the Lord 
in the air. Now, some of you have heard that so much that sometimes you hear a preacher say that and you say, ho-hum, so what? You cannot lose sight of that promise of our gathering together unto the Lord, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, but what about until then? Okay, what about until then? Well, let's look at this, this passage in First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Now, he makes it very clear that there is a distinction here between us and them. Talking about unsaved people who have rejected the truth, who reject light. I mean, you need to understand, understand something about the Lord. If you reject truth, you are automatically opening up yourself to more darkness. When you reject light... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says those people have no interest in truth and they love a lie and so the Lord will send a strong delusion. The Lord will send a strong delusion. Isaiah 66, it says when they play church and they play, they play religion, he said because they would not respond when I spoke to them, they would not listen to me when I tried to reach them, he said, I will choose their delusions. That's what he said. And so it is a dangerous thing to hear truth and hear light and then push it away from you and walk on down the road. That's a dangerous thing to do. So, <clears throat> but I want to say this. God's very long-suffering and he's very patient with men. He is, but he does have a limit. He does. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's look at this again. Now, he says this. He says in verse number 4, he's talking about the day of the Lord coming, the wrath of God coming, the judgment of God coming upon this earth. Chapter 5, verse 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. What the government is doing, what Bill Gates is doing, they don't understand that we understand there's a whole lot more going on because we're walking in the light and they're walking in the darkness. We can see the evil that's behind the evil that's taking place on this planet. All right? And he says in verse 5, he says, You are children of light. That means you belong to Jesus Christ. And children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us, born again children of God, not sleep as do others. That means don't, don't fall asleep on the job here, okay? Don't be apathetic. Don't be passive. I appreciate your patriotism. Try to encourage men not to be passive. In the area of what you're talking about, I'm in another area of your spiritual life, that you would not be passive. The Bible says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And I am watching. And I am listening. I'm watching what's going on. As a matter of fact, I mentioned to you this morning about the, uh, the cashless society and about people not receiving cash and some actually rejecting your money when you try to pay for something. And uh, Sister Stephanie was listening this morning and she sent me a a copy of something that uh, the governor of Mississippi put out yesterday uh, or this week. And, and, it, and it said almost basically what I told you this morning, that he said that if you try to pay for something in Mississippi with cash, 
and that person will not receive your cash. You do not owe them your debt anymore. He said, because you offered them legal tender to pay that bill. So if you've got a $60 gas bill and you, and you hand them a, you know, and you try to pay that with your cash and they won't take it, he said, man, just drive on. You, they will, that's okay. And, uh, and he had circled that little place on, on, the, on the dollar bill there, or on the $20 bill, legal tender for all debts. Amen. You know, and there's a few still resisting, but boy, are they the minority. Yes. Amen. This thing is coming in like a flood. Hey, these are exciting days in which we live, but there are dangerous times in which we live. Probably when the patriots were going through the time of the uh, revolution in the United States, it probably was some exciting times. But I bet you they would have told you it was some fearful times and some dangerous times too. Amen? But look what he says. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Do you believe that the average American cares what's going on and can understand what's going on if somebody gives them a little bit of money in their pocket or puts a little bit of money in the bank account? He says in verse 8, he said, But let us who are of the day, that's Christians, be sober, serious-minded, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope, the hope, the confidence of salvation, of being delivered. Now look at this. For God hath not appointed us. And I think that Noah, Brother John, I think that Noah could say this to his family. And I said, Now, now listen. The wrath of God's coming. It's coming. We've got this ship finished. The animals are coming in. It's going to be about a week. I just want you to know. I want you to know that God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by this ark. And we're fixing to get on it. But right here he says in verse 9, but to, uh, for us, Jesus Christ is that ark. And we are in him. And it is God who sealed them up in that ark. And brother, a storm couldn't shake them out. And I'm just saying that God also, I am in Christ. And I thank God that I've been sealed in Christ. All right, now look what, let's let's move on to the practical things. I know some of your teenage girls and boys would like to know how they're supposed to live their life. I remember when I first got saved, I had a good job and going to a good church and heard that stuff about the rapture, man, I mean, I thought it was fixing to happen, you know, yesterday. I mean, I was ready to go. I even, I had a nice car, and I, and I even bought a sticker and put it on the back of the car, you know, like if rapture occurs, you could have this car, something like that. You know, I was ready to go. And I remember contemplating, you know, whether or not I should go to a certain Bible college or not. And, and, uh, and I was thinking in my mind, well, if I go and spend four years in school, what about all those people that I could have reached for the Lord before the rapture takes place? I mean, this is the stuff that was going through my mind, that, and I was serious about it, okay? I mean, I was dead serious about it. And so I'm just saying that sometimes we get so caught up in this that we tend to think that we are going to hurry up the coming of the Lord. Or delay the coming of the Lord. But I promise you, like the day of Pentecost, they didn't pray the Holy Ghost down. He was coming down on time. And when the Lord Jesus comes, He's coming on time. On His time. All right, but we've got to live in the process, don't we? We still got to pay our bills. We still got to do the very best to preserve our country and save our families, don't we? How do we go about doing that? Well, I know one thing the Lord wants you to be light, and I know He wants you to be salt. 
Light and darkness, salt preserves something. The Bible says here in chapter 5, verse 10. Let's read on verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, he's talking about whether you're dead or alive, we should live together with him when he comes back. So here's what he says do. All right? And this is where the practical steps come in. So if you're taking notes, you just, you just dig right in here and put this in your notes here. But these are the things that you need to focus on. And now, listen, this whole book, 1 Thessalonians, each chapter ends with a reference to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And you'll notice he says this in verse 11. He basically is saying to you to stay close to your church family. All right, now watch what he says. Wherefore, comfort yourselves. What's the next word? Together. Comfort yourselves together. He didn't say, just get your Bible and get off somewhere and comfort yourself. He said, comfort yourselves together. Together. I'm telling you, man, this pandemic around the planet has kept people from being able to get together all around the globe. I need you to remember something about the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I remind you of it again. Forsake not the assembling. It didn't say forsake not the assembly. Forsake not the assembling, I-N-G, coming together. Forsake, it doesn't mean that you can't from time to time, not break that off. But he said, don't forsake it. Forsake not the, don't get the idea that, hey, okay, you know, we just need to have internet church and not ever get together again. God said, don't you do that. Don't do that. There's more to church than just somebody singing a special and somebody getting up and preaching. There's a whole lot more to church than that. That's important. But that's not all there is. You need each other. You need to be around each other. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But he said, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So he's saying, as you get closer to this thing, you are actually going to need to get together as much as possible. And it's going to uh, get to where that, who knows, this thing it gets out of the banks again and what they're planning until after the election anyway. They're going to be promoting fear and folly uh, until at least, and if Trump is elected, uh, there's going to be no telling what's going to happen when it comes to these things because they absolutely hate what he stands for and what you stand for. All right. And so the Bible says in chapter 5, that verse number 11, what you need to, first of all, stay close to your church family, okay? If you're a young lady and you're courting somebody, don't let that somebody pull you out of church. Stay in church. Stay with a good church family that believes the Bible, preaches the gospel, believes in the coming of the Lord. Amen. And notice what he says in verse number 12. Evaluate. Now, if you're going to be in church, don't just be in any church. This is what he says. I'm not afraid of this verse, but I have to teach it to you. It says that you ought to evaluate your leadership. And once you've evaluated your leadership, 
if it passes the test, then you need to esteem that leadership highly for their work's sake. Okay? All right? So, verse number 12. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. Know them. Know their, their, their faith, their beliefs, their, their, their pattern, their matter, their matter of life, their sincerity. You know, and God protects you from just following any man who wears a suit and says he's a preacher or a pastor. God protects you. He gives you a qualifications for those things to protect you. All right? And so he says, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So don't underestimate the influence and impact of a pastor or a preacher in your life in the last days, but make sure that they qualify to be in the position of leadership in your life, to watch over your soul. Do you agree with that? All right. He says it's not a matter of whether you like him or not. It's not a matter if you don't like him or not. Is he qualified? And is he meeting the standards? And if so, then if he's over you, which means he's exercising some authority, and then he says, and he admonishes you. Well, if somebody's admonishing you, that means every once in a while, you might hear something that just might rub you the wrong way. Amen? And you may not like everything that he says, but he loves you enough to admonish you, to reprove you, to rebuke you, to exhort you. And by the way, if, you know, some of these, some of these, uh, some of these guys are interested more in uh, being liked than they are in taking care of you. And so the Bible says in verse 13 now, let's read on real quickly. So it's important in the last days that you stay close to your church family and evaluate the leadership, esteem them very highly if they pass the test. In verse 13, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. All right, you need, you need to get in there together and say, hey, this man is our pastor, let's go. Let's press on. Let's don't squabble about things that don't matter. And let's face the enemy. Let's face the darkness. Let's be together in these last days. That's really what he's saying to you. All right? Don't let pettiness divide you. Or personal preferences uh, in these, especially these days about uh, the things that are going on, man, that are just crazy. Okay? Verse 14. And the Bible says here now, he moves on. And he says now, the pastor has a job, he says, but you have a job. He says, now we exhort you, brethren. He's not talking to the pastor there. He was talking about the pastor in verse 12. He said, we exhort you, brethren. You also get in on this and warn them that are unruly. Okay? And so you get involved in the protection of your church of warning each other that are unruly and comfort the feeble-minded. Nobody wants to qualify for being the feeble-minded. But there are people who are afraid of everything and who believe everything that they see and hear. We had a dear lady who's now in the nursing home. And we love her to death, but they had used her as an illustration the other night. Just a godly woman. And after her, 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 and she's in her 90s now. And, but uh, for years, I mean, I was her pastor for over 20 years. And when they, these Democrats would send out these letters uh, threatening, the Republicans were going to threaten to cut off her Social Security. 
And what they were wanting was her to vote for their candidate and they would save her Social Security. And I said, I said, Sister, you've got to throw this stuff away. She would come to church just in a, in a tizzy, just worked up, afraid that they were going to have their Social Security check cut off by those mean old Republicans. You know, so like some of those TV commercials they had one time during a, uh, an election year, they had they showed uh, uh, a Republican pushing uh, somebody off the cliff in a wheelchair. I mean, man, this stuff just gets crazy. But people that are feeble-minded, now feeble-minded, it, it, it doesn't mean that you can't string two thoughts together. It means that you have a hard time, though, sometimes of uh, 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 sorting reality from truth, and you are fearful and afraid and weak-minded. This time in which we live is not for weak-minded Christians. You're going to have to be strong-minded. And don't, the Bible said, it's the simple who believe every word. When I watch the news lately, it is so frustrating. I can only watch the first couple of minutes because it's always the very same topics. Now, you got to remember, back there in the news program back there, they've got about probably about 25 news stories they could run. But they said, nah, we got an agenda here. So let's put Black Lives Matter up here. And uh, let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, let's hate Trump. Let's put, let's put him, something that he's done. You know, he went and played golf yesterday. Let's put on there how he hates people and he hasn't got time to help anybody. He's responsible for everybody dying of, of COVID-19. Let's make sure we play that. And so when people see that, they think that is real news. But it's all just a bunch of lies. Just a bunch of lies. Well, most of it. Most of it. And so, but people like that are feeble-minded. The Bible says the simple believe every word. Listen, you and I have to guard our minds about not becoming too cynical. That we don't believe anything. And don't trust anybody. But if I'm going to fall out one way or the other, I'm going to lean toward over here being a little cynical than I am going over here being gullible. Amen. But I'm not cynical, by the way. Amen. I just believe the Bible. Now look at this right here. Chapter 5. Look what he says. Verse number 12, 13. We've gone through that. Verse 14. You warn each other. You support the weak. And be patient toward all men. Boy, do we need some patience right now with each other. I mean, seriously. One of my daughters works for as a paramedic, and she said, Dad, it just seems like everybody is at each other's throat. Even at work, it seems like they are each other's throat. I said, that's right, dear. They've done a great job of dividing this country. A great job of making people angry and irritable. Over things. People are cussing each other out over mass. People are, are ready to fight uh, over uh, whether or not they should be vaccinated. They are ready to fight over whether or not somebody should uh, respond to the flag properly. And I know where I stand on all those things. And I do get irritated. You know, and I just might slap you in Jesus' name if you just mess with me about some of that stuff. Amen. Amen. But I, I will ask you to forgive me. I will repent, and I will ask you to forgive me. I will. After. 
Be patient toward all men. So I'm going to give you something to be patient about. (laughs) All right, let's read on now here in verse 15. He says that also, he says, I don't want you to become like society as a church. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Now, you need to protect your family, but don't become like society. Don't just think about how you're going to get even with everybody, how you're going to hurt somebody. You need to rise above the riffraff that is around you. All right? And verse 16, he says, Don't let this crowd steal your joy. He says, Rejoice evermore. You don't lose your joy and your shout. As David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Don't let them rob us of our joy. Rejoice evermore in what God has done for us. Verse 17, don't lose your prayer life. You keep talking to God about what's troubling you. You keep talking to God what is really pressing upon you. You talk to Him. He loves you. He'll hear you. He'll answer you. He will answer specifically some of the things that you need. And you pray for each other. Look at verse 18. And don't lose your attitude of gratitude. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not become a murmurer and a complainer about everything that's going on. Be careful. I have to watch that right there because I get agitated about people who are destroying my nation. But I need to balance that with being thankful for how God has worked in my life And, I mean, just be grateful that some of you have a place to go home to tonight. You've got plenty of food in your refrigerator and your freezer. And you've got gas in your tank. And God has been good to you. Your family is there with you. And you've been blessed. I mean, count your blessings. Don't let let those merchants of misery rob you of what you've been blessed with. And the Bible says here in verse number 19, quench not the spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's just say you be very careful and you mind the Holy Ghost in everything that you do. Whatever you may think quench means, whatever you may think that grieving means, the Holy Ghost, you just do your very best to be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, mind the Spirit of God in these last days. And if the Lord calls you or guides you and wants you to do something, don't put that, don't be a wet blanket. Don't throw a wet blanket on what God's trying to do in the church either. All right? And verse number 20, I like verse 20 and 21. I want to put them together. Because he's saying that you need to elevate in your mind the value of preaching in these last days. But you need to evaluate the preaching that you are listening to. Does that make sense? You need to love preaching, but you need to evaluate the preaching that you're listening to. And if that man is worth his salt, he does not mind being evaluated because he has prayed over that passage and he has studied over that passage and should be ready to defend his thoughts on that passage if he has prepared himself correctly. 
But the Bible says this, despise not prophesying, and I believe that is our attitude toward the hearing of the Word of God in these last days, of which there will be deaf ears. Remember that? Some of the churches that you actually see in growing exponentially, it's not because of the preaching of the Word of God, but it is because of their music and their entertainment programs for sure, for real. You say, you're just being envious and jealous. No, I'm not, no. No, no, you're not going to intimidate me with that accusation. It's not true. He says you need to evaluate the preaching that you hear. Verse 21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is what? Good. So, as you sit and even listen tonight and you take notes, you, you look this over and say, hey, is that right? You know, was he in this context of the scripture in which he was preaching? Did he get out of the bank? Did he get out of bounds? And it's all right to come into those doors and be able to think critically without coming into those doors with a critical spirit. There is a difference. And when you are a thinker and you are evaluating what's being said and you're looking for something from the Lord, you're not interested in being just simply entertained. You want to hear from the Lord. All right, and he says in verse number 22, of course, don't get caught up. In the evil that is around you, be sure that nobody misunderstands where you are and what you're doing and what you're up to. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And here's the promise from God. And, and he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Isn't that a blessing? That God will keep his promises. And so if you're a young person, the Lord may come soon, but you don't know when. So you just pray about educating yourself and and evaluating your life and serving the Lord. And if the Lord brings a, a young man or a young lady into your life who fears the Lord and wants to serve the Lord then man, just if it's God's will, go ahead and get married and have a family of your own. Get ready to, 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 to serve Him with your family. Don't hesitate serving the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your being. First Timothy chapter 6, is Paul mentioned some things there about the blessings of God and even material blessings. Talking about money. He says, he says the love of money is the root of all evil. But as he goes on through that passage, he says, now listen, I need you to understand something about the coming of the Lord. He said, listen, don't you ever apologize and feel guilty for how the Lord has blessed you. By the way, the Lord believes that it's okay for a man to own property. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Because there's a wave coming in America that wants to take away that right of personal property. So if God's blessed you with some property, thank him for it. You don't have to apologize for that. Enjoy. And he says those things that God has given you, he said, is to richly enjoy. So is it possible then that, that during the week that I could actually just enjoy living without having to worry about the fire of God coming down from heaven and that I'm responsible for everything that goes on on the planet with that weight and that guilt? Man, I can't live like that. But I can be what God's called me to be and I can do what God's called me to do 
and be and live as a husband, a father, a pastor, a a citizen. Listen, there's a lot of folks out there that's always trying to sell you a package. You just need to live for God. Be the best wife you can be. Enjoy that family. Enjoy them youngins. Be a good husband. Work hard. Come home from work. Kiss your wife. Kick the dog. Whatever needs to be done. I mean, just have a balance to your life. I, let, me, let me back that up and say, kick the cat. Okay, kick the cat. Brother Edwin would say, kick the cat. But just whatever, but I mean, enjoy being alive. Don't walk around with the mopey dopey on your face all the time. Well, the Lord's coming and I'm, I don't know. I do know He's coming back and I'm going to meet Him in the air and I'm just, if, I'm just trying to be sensitive to Him, but I know He wants me to be faithful in what I am and what I do. And you need to do the same. Okay? And if the Lord, somebody invites you out to go eat, go out there and enjoy the fellowship, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, it, it, it's hard though to eat with a mask on. You know that? It just really is. Man, I just have a hard time getting it through there. I'm sorry. Well, really, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to get me a mask that's got a hole cut in it. Or either I'm going to get one of those Lone Ranger masks and just put one over my eyes. Now, when I walk into Walmart, where they'll say, hey, he's got a mask on. Amen. I just pray that you'd enjoy your salvation. Don't let people rob you of the expectation of Christ coming back and don't be a nervous wreck in the process of the things that you see. But walk with Him. Rejoice evermore. Be thankful for what God has blessed you with. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, bless our church. Encourage them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Don't let all this stuff rob them of their peace at home, peace at the heart. Lord, these men work hard, and I pray, God, they might be able to work hard without and live guilt-free. Enjoy your blessings upon them. Help us to be a good witness in these last days. And thank you for Jesus, and thank you for a great church. In Jesus' name, amen.